right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> hey, I we fit, I fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we are super excited today yes. to have David Hardage, the mm, David, David Hardage, Hardage. on you. the podcast. He's live and in person, which is yeah. a real blessing to us. Yeah. Capital T-H-E. Yeah. yeah, go with that. No doubt. Well, I thought we might start. I know there'll be few, but there will be some people who don't know who you are. Yeah. Uh, yes, and that's a shame. That's, so, a, that's a larger <laughs> list, longer list than you think. Oh, man. So, let, uh, I'll, I'll start us off, Ronnie. You fill in gaps here. Okay. You know, I, what I Sounds know of good. David is, number one, he is the executive director of the Texas Baptists, right. which, for my recollection, is the largest state convention, I should say, the largest state convention of any denomination in the country. That's right. It's over 5,000 yeah. churches. How many churches? 5,300-ish. Really? Wow. wow. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. churches. And, but yeah. a very diverse, very diverse group of churches. Yes. But about 5,300 plus. Wow. Yeah. The first question I have is, are we still in it? <laughs> well, that, that'll be determined after this podcast. Have we been kicked podcast. out yet? Yeah. <laughs> after this podcast, that's why David's here. When we started, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll find out. Decisions we made will be determined. <laughs> yes. Now, David has uh, a pretty significant background. I know you've served at least two churches as lead pastor. Four. Uh, four here in four. Texas. That you've been wow. interims in five or more. Yeah, yeah. You also, Sikkim Bears, have a degree from Baylor University. I do. I do, I do, yes. And yeah. you also worked at Baylor University as the development director for Truett Seminary? I, I did. Spent four years wow. doing that. One of those assignments you never think's coming your way. Yeah. And in fact, when they first asked me, I said, there's no way. I don't. I can't even spell development. <laughs> but it turned out to be a great opportunity for four years. Yeah. yeah. Well, as much as I've tried, Baylor has never asked me to do nothing <laughs> except, except give money. And I That's keep surprising. on hoping. That's surprising. So you were a pastor that was good with money. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but uh, decent, yeah, for okay. sure. All right. Uh, but, you know, raising money from either the perspective as a pastor yeah. or as a development officer, a lot of it's the same. Yeah. Building trust and, you know, and then asking. Okay. Yeah. So where all did you pastor? Well, let's see. I started out not far from here. Yeah. About an hour from here, Blum, Texas. Oh, I know it. Very First Baptist yeah. Church, Blum. And then I went up to Holiday, Texas, outside of Wichita okay. Falls. Yeah. Then I spent three years in Weatherford, Oklahoma, Western Oklahoma, about an hour west of Oklahoma City. Okay. And then 14 years at First Baptist Church, Sulphur Springs in Northeast Texas. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good friend, Jack McKinney, that pastored First Blum right, right yeah. out of college during our seminary days. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my wife is from Cleburne. That's her hometown. Oh, okay. And so when I told her, hey, I got a call from these folks in Blum. Have you ever heard of that? She said, yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, we spent three great years there. Really? It was just okay. a real blessing. Yeah, they were really gracious to us. Okay. Yeah. And David, where are you from? I grew up in West Texas, far West Texas, La Mesa, Texas, yeah. out south of Lubbock, okay. between Lubbock and Midland. Okay. Well, I have to admit for our global audience that you guys have thrown around a whole bunch of <laughs> Texas city names that yes. I have no clue what you're yeah. talking about. Well. I've only been here 30 years. Yeah. And still haven't learned enough, I guess. Hey, listen, in my 10 going on 11 years oh, yeah. as the director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, my Texas geography has gone through the roof. So I, I, I've been everywhere, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you also have a tremendous background in denominational convention work. You've been devoted to that for well before you became the executive director. I don't know about tremendous, but certainly I was involved. You know, just when you're passionate of church, they're always looking for people to serve on committees and stuff like the boards. Yeah. And so I had a chance to serve on a couple of committees and then on the board of trustees at ETBU back when I was in East Texas. And 
enjoyed all those opportunities. And really, I found out later, some of that involvement is what led to the committee when they were looking for my position to think that I might have some clue as to what might need to be involved in this work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how part of what led to my being considered for this position. Okay. Yeah. So from pastor to development executive director. What was that switch to say? I think I'd like to be an executive director. So I never said that. Okay. (laughs) So I I really say, and I I mean it, I had no expectations, no aspiration to be in this position, but I had been a pastor. I'd actually worked in an association in Waco for four years, and I had been involved in the institution. And really the convention kind of does all three of those things. Right. Churches, associations, institutions, and because I had had, you know, some experience in each one of those, and I'd been around a while, uh, so most of the people on the search committee, I already knew. Yeah. I mean, they were friends of mine. Yeah. And so, you know, when the phone rang and said, hey, would you be willing to consider that? Man, I'd, I'm happy where I am. I like doing what I'm doing. Yeah. But I made the mistake of telling them I'd pray about it. Yeah. And so, yeah. so one thing Never led to it. One we've thing led to another. Yeah, we've all been there. So that, yeah. that's kind of how it all started. That's how Ronnie yeah. got me. Yeah. yeah, he said, "Hey, I, I know you're not interested, but would you pray about it?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can be yeah, careful yeah. when you start praying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That and the the big money, big paycheck. Oh yeah, yeah. That always makes all the difference. <laughs> well, Especially ministry. Hey, be, be, I, I've got to ask a personal question. Ask it if if you will allow me. Um, I'm intrigued by the political process of the convention, and we have someone that's dear to us that is going to be running for a second vice president of the convention this year. And I hear he's running unopposed. I was wondering what would be the process if I chose I wanted to run. Uh, how would I do? How would I go about signing up to run? Well, as well, second first vice of all, we'd welcome a second, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a second candidate. Yeah. Just just give me a call. Uh, well, we can work that out. No, we are very excited. Yeah. Do you take unemployed the, executive yeah, pastors? You'd have, you'd have a lot of free time after that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah I would do a great job. You'd have a lot of time necessary to give to the work. Uh, now, we're, we're excited about uh, Dr. Marriott oh, serving, and uh, we'll do a great job. It's, uh, it. it's not too much involved with that part of it, but we always look for people who willing to serve but capable. Right. And brings something well, to the table. That and, takes and me Ronnie out. does that for sure. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. willing, but not capable. <laughs> well, love Texas Baptist. David, you've done a great job 10, 11 years yeah, serving this capacity and, and came at a very interesting time. Oh, no uh, question. <laughs> in Texas Baptist life and have navigated the waters and, and great leadership. And so, congratulations. I don't yeah. think it's a surprise to anyone that uh, you've announced your retirement. Uh, yeah. after great service and great impact on the state. So congratulations. Uh, well, thank that. you for that kind words. And I'm grateful. Yeah. I'll do something next starting in January. As of today, I'm not sure what that is. Oh, okay. But uh, right. we're considering options and thinking about what might be best for yeah. us. Well, yeah, no doubt. You're not finished for sure. Well, yeah. Ronnie, that was a great setup to a first question for David. You came in early on. You had to make a major change in the Texas Baptist Convention. And what I mean by that is location and building, Mm -hmm. right? Right. That was a massive, massive undertaking. And that goes back 10 years, right? That was pretty... So, yeah, I had been in this position about uh, five or six months when I got a call one night at home from a friend of mine who asked just one simple question, would you all be willing to sell your bill? Oh, yeah. And, you know, now that building was... It was a great building. It was. It is a great building. Treasured by Texas Baptist. Right. Built without any corporate program dollars, you know, debt free. A lot of emotional tie to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you know, my response was, well, it's not for sale, yeah. but it could be purchased. Yeah. 
And so that really set in motion three years of negotiations, communications, you know, planning on our part of where to go next, what, how, how's all that going to work. But at the end of the day, almost three years today from when I got that call, we moved into our new leased space. It took three years, but it worked out. Yeah. So not very often would you have a win-win-win, right? But we sold it to Baylor University for their new nursing school. So their old nursing school was old. Matter of fact, the dorm that's connected to it has been condemned. So they needed a new nursing school. The hospital across the street needed more nurses, and they'll hire every nurse that wants to stay. And so, and we didn't need all the space we had. Yeah. And so when, when, when we sold it to the Baylor, they've turned it into a new nursing school, turning out more nurses, and uh, the hospital is grateful for those who are ready, willing to stay in, you know, that Dallas central area right there. And so, and and our new space works out well for us. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sure it wasn't an easy move, but it was a great one. It was a good decision to do that. You know, I, I look back on that, I think maybe because of the time we took to do it, you know, we weren't really turning a speedboat. It was kind of yeah. a battleship thing. So we took our plenty of time. But at the end of the day, we really didn't have that many complaints. Good. After you kind of explain what's happening, why it's happening, and what yeah. the benefits are all the way around. And, and financial benefit convention. Oh, right. yeah. And so not too many opposed. The why behind the what? It that's right. That's a big difference. Yeah, that's for a good sure. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you and I were talking earlier about, you know, part of our vision statement here is, is to be regionally equipping church and our region gets larger and larger when we get that opportunity in fostering churches, adopting church. Yeah. I know that's a big heart of uh, Texas Baptist and definitely connection with you. And having gone through COVID, you know, from a state standpoint, dealing with all these churches, what, what have you seen that the pastors, what has it done to pastor going through COVID? What, what are you hearing? What are the struggles you see out there? Well, I think maybe the best way I can say is it has taken a toll. Yeah. In fact, I just like I told you, I just had lunch with a pastor pastoring a strong church, yeah. a good church. He's worn out. And, and so what, what every pastor I know of, and you probably aren't any different, has tried to live in that center middle space of people who don't like this and people who don't like that. <laughs> yeah. And coming at you from both directions, and you're trying to make a decision that's best for the church, but not pleasing everyone. And nowadays, everyone feels compelled to share their opinions yeah. with you. Yeah, thank you, social media. And they'll take a platform to do it. Yeah. And so it has really taken an emotional and mental toll on our pastors. So we have tried to walk alongside. Our counseling service has oh. really picked up the number of calls it receives. So we've increased the number of counselors we have around the state. We now have a network of 275. Wow. So if a pastor listening to this, wow. if you need counseling for you, your family, just need somebody to talk to, call Texas Baptist Counseling Services. Dr. Katie Swafford will hook you up with a Christian counselor in your area. We'll help offset the cost of some of that and try to get you in a healthy place. That's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. It it has been interesting. COVID has been, to some degree, a scapegoat, I think, for problems that existed prior to COVID happening. And what I mean by that, in Bolsinger's book, Canoeing the Mountains, there's this, this is the first time I really came across the idea that the cause and effect of problems are not associated directly to time and space. 
right? Essentially meaning that because we put drums on the stage and someone lost their mind over it, (laughs) it's easy to say, well, it was the drums that did it, but it's not. There's a whole cup-filling process of people being disappointed, and this was just the one thing that made the cup spill over, right? Yeah, right. And so COVID certainly was a tumultuous time, difficult time, and world-changing in so many ways. Yet I also think that there were some issues before that, and one of them that I'd love to get your take on is that pastors typically live in a tremendous amount of isolation. And I think the smaller the church— the more isolated they become. They don't have multiple staff to be around. They don't have necessarily resources to to go to to convention, right? And as much as we say there's not competition among pastors, there really is. And sometimes it can be really frustrating when you go— Pastors get territorial. Well, yeah. And so, hey, you should—you say you should network. Well, great. So I network, (laughs) and all I hear about is this church 10 times bigger than me, you know, telling us about the great things that are going on. (laughs) And I just want to share about my pain and angst of what's going on, right? right? So what are your thoughts on that, the isolation of pastors, are there issues that are more systemic beyond just what's happened with COVID that we can encourage? And uh, Well, the, the isolation is real, but it's not just the pastor, it's the spouse mm. that really, I think, maybe more so than the pastor yeah. has experienced a lot of isolation. And so what I think I have seen around the state is pastors already feel a little isolated, but then you start getting kind of uh, bombarded from both sides, all sides. And the tendency is to even back up further into your shell right. as a protective, you know, maneuver. And so it's left a lot of them just really lonely and frustrated to the point of what else can I do? Yeah. And yeah. so we've had a lot of pastors question not just their ministry, but I think a lot of them have gone back and am I really called to this? Yeah. And so we've worked with a lot. We tried to walk alongside a lot of pastors with just trying to help them find a, a healthy place to be yeah. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. It's taken a toll on a lot of people financially. Emotionally, so the pastors up there used to preach to 200 people. Now he's preaching to 125. Yeah. What happened to my church? Is that painful, Ronnie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about that? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like, wow. And you start to take that personal. Yeah. Right? Because you start to question those things. Somebody said, well, why did you open so early? Or why did you wait so late? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. You know, you kind of start questioning and just kind of shakes your foundation a little bit. The pastor I was just with, okay, I used to preach to 450. Now it's 350. Yeah. And a lot of that hundred have told me, we like watching. We like listening. You know, we're we're not coming back. Yeah. And so all of that has put our pastors in just a real tense, personal evaluation, questioning place, and I'm not sure they really know what to do with that. Well, and I know going into COVID, we heard statistics of how many churches would end up closing their doors for financial reasons or or whatever, and now, you know, we're hearing the term the great resignation. Mm -hmm. Which Uh, is real. Yeah, and so you're saying that's, we're seeing that with pastors. Have we seen a number of churches that have just had to close their doors? I don't think we saw the number of churches closing their doors that we anticipated early on. Good, good. I mean, if there's one thing that maybe was a bright spot is Generally speaking, churches remained faithful in their giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Even those who weren't coming yes. remained faithful in their generosity. Now, how long that continues, I don't right. know. But for right now, 30 months into a pandemic that we hadn't been through before, churches have remained faithful and generous in their giving. So that's that's one thing. But the fact that a lot of ministries had to back up, rethink, start over, is that right? 
Yeah. Now, the pandemic did cause churches to rethink a lot of things. Yeah. Right. That probably was also good. Right. No more uh, bulletins. Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. No more printed bulletins. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we didn't think we could have church without that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you I actually know. can. Uh, yeah. yeah. Lo and behold. Yeah. yeah. You can. Yeah. Yeah. It's streaming. You know, more churches got online as a result of Man, that. Man, Ronnie, I couldn't tell you how many churches called us in those first four weeks. Yeah. You know, from middle of March 2020 to the middle of April 2020, how many churches? How do we do that? Yeah. So I didn't go anywhere. I spent three months not going anywhere, and I'm in a different church every Sunday. I yeah. spent three months not going anywhere. Finally started going back out in the middle of June on Sundays. Churches were still trying to figure out their online streaming thing. Yeah. So I went to a small <laughs> church, and they had all that all they could do was tape an iPhone to a broomstick and have somebody stand in front of me. But it worked. It they worked. were doing it. Yeah. And they, frankly, they were proud of it. Oh, yeah. And so uh, <laughs> it worked. It out. So people, they were just figuring it out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Man, I respect that. Yeah. Just get it done. Yeah, it definitely challenged church's creativity. Yeah, we helped a lot. But over the past 30 months, churches really ramped up the quality of what they were doing. Yeah. First, let's just get it done. Then they started, hey, this is kind of working all right. We're getting people watching we've never seen before. Yeah. You know, I've, I've talked to pastors. People have joined their church from states away. Yeah. Right. So they found them online and liked what they heard and oh, yeah. are sending in their checks. It's just bizarre things we never could have imagined. And so that caused a lot of churches, well, this seems to be working. Let's make it better. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that has been a lot of that has been positive. Well, we used to talk about the, the first introduction to your church, people are going to check out your website. And now as guests come in, they're watching our stream. That's the first introduction they've had. They don't even, I mean, they go to the website to find the stream, but they're not strolling scrolling through our website. They want to see what a service looks like. You know, what does it look like at that church? So that's been a, a great positive. Yeah. And at our church, it's been remarkable how many people come to our church. And the very first thing they say about why they came to our church has to do with Ronnie and Robin's Wednesday morning broadcast <laughs> yeah. on Facebook. That's the fir yeah. their first impression. Is that these people need help. We, we got to go, go help them. Maybe I can be of a help to them down there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But, you know, I, you know, we're blessed at our church. We have a counseling center with 15 sure. licensed counselors. Yeah. I can't imagine the pastor, maybe in a smaller town, smaller setting, that he's having to do counseling as well as try to navigate through all this. I mean, that's just overwhelming. You know, you're talking about a pastor who probably needs counseling. Yes, exactly. Out there trying to provide that to the people in his church, and it just really kind of exacerbates the problem that he's feeling. Yeah. So a lot of, lot of pastors out there struggling. We're trying to help. Thank you all for offering this to pastors, maybe to maybe put a smile on their face today, yeah, yeah. give them a little encouragement, <laughs> so. and, and you know, get them to next Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I will say just from my own perspective, feeling overwhelmed and inadequate are normal. Mm -hmm. No right? question. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we, we laugh and we talk about all this stuff. We do not have it all together at no, all. Not even close. And I will confess that post-COVID, when you're leading your people off into uncharted territory and you have no clue what's happening and you're just making the best decisions you can, I have felt overwhelmed and inadequate at times during this process. So it's okay to feel that way, but it's not okay to stay that way. Yeah, right. Yeah, has anyone written a book on how to navigate worldwide pandemics? <laughs> There'd be a lot of people trying to write that book now. There may be some in the works, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I but, I, there, but there really may be some in the works I, out I would there. not be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But if it's any consolation to pastors, our research has shown that our churches are back somewhere between 60 and 80%. Yeah. There are a few bumping up 100, more than some have really boomed, yeah. but on average, it's between 60 and 80%. Well, and we have no idea how many pastors listen to this. 
<laughs> I think five. <laughs> we, okay, we, we assume. I mean, but so what? What would be some direct encouragement you could give towards a pastor? That I mean, you talked about the counseling opportunities, which is great, and I think COVID has allowed us to do that. Yeah, right. So it's okay to recognize you. You have some struggles, and you can get some help. But what else can you? Could you say? You know. As I've gone around the state and visited, uh, a lot of them have said kind of this one thing. In the midst of all of my struggles, what I've really had to go back to is my call. Yeah. God really did call me to do this. Yeah. And in the midst of my frustrations, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my anxiety, I come back to the fact that, you know, God called me to do this. Yeah. And so I would just say, Pastor, just fall back on that call that you felt whenever you felt that from God to be in this work and stay the course, find people around who are, help. there are a lot of people willing to help. Yes. You know, a pastor could walk in the door of this church and you all would fall over backwards to help yeah. that pastor Amen. get, back, get sure. back on his feet. Amen. So, you know, if you're out there listening, First Baptist Burleson is <laughs> here right. to help you. That's uh, right. But yeah. no, really, fall back on your call and find people want to help. You know, reach out. I agree. But it takes a lot of moxie to admit that you need help, especially as a pastor to another pastor. One of the things that I would suggest to churches that have resources, we have this crazy idea about fostering, adopting churches mm-hmm. and fostering, adopting pastors as well, to the point that we actually have money set aside mm-hmm. so that when we have a pastor come in that needs some assistance, when we have a church that needs assistance, we have been blessed and enriched, and God has been incredible for us, and that's not been the same story for everyone else, and we want to be able to share these things in our regional yeah. equipping model. A perfect example of that is that two weeks ago, we had a pastor, it was last minute, and he needed his pulpit filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was he good guy. He was just exhausted. Yeah. And yeah. he just needed to get away. And so we, man, we drop whatever we're doing, send someone to do that. And we yeah. will take every single opportunity we can yeah. to give a pastor a break, even if it means that we need to step in and handle Sunday and Wednesday mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. We would be thrilled to do that. Well, and you brought up a good point about spouses and children also. Yeah. Of, of pastors there. Yeah, they've suffered. Yeah, and and that stuff comes home. I mean, you can try to leave it. Uh, <laughs> no, you're bringing it with you. It's your countenance. All that's evident. So it, it is for the whole family to, to consider a struggle. And uh, talking about networking and having other people around you, pastors, face-to-face is the best, but, you know, one of the things we learn how to do is Zoom calls. <laughs> you know, even I just see somebody's face and I can pour out my heart. So there's ways to find people who will be gracious and listen without judgment or condemnation. So let me I just follow up just my own personal experience. Oh, maybe a month ago, something unfolded. And personally, it really sent me kind of in a darker hole than I thought I could yeah. go into. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, what is huh. And so uh, somebody reached out to me and said, listen, I can't respond right now. And I just said, I'm not really today in a very healthy, emotional, or mental place. Can I get back with you? Huh. So I got, I got a really nice note back from that person. Hey, thank you for being vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, all of us get there. Yeah. Exactly. No doubt. And it's one of the no few doubt. times I probably have said, admitted mm. to somebody else that I'm there. But I did. And it, the response was back. So if you're out there and, you, and you're there, yeah. hey, don't hesitate to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm in a place today yeah. and maybe I could use some help. I have also found that there are some churches that are noticing that their pastors are struggling. Mm. In fact, I accepted today a chance to preach for a pastor whose church had come to him and said, 
hey, we sensed that you're wearing down. Right. Yeah. And he said, well, actually, I am. Mm. And they said, why don't you take a few weeks off, and I'm going to fill the pulpit for him one of those Sundays. Yeah. So churches, you know, pay attention to your pastor. He, yeah. He's in need. Yeah, That's a good word. and as the pastor, don't be That's afraid to admit that to your people yeah. and just say, hey, I need a break. This past summer, I was blessed with sabbatical. Yeah. I have never had a sabbatical before, and our church graciously allowed 30 days to be gone. I knew I was going to appreciate it and enjoy it, but I had no clue how much I needed it. Mm-hmm. And I, We did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> the staff was sabbatical. I thought they were cheering an encouragement of me, but they were looking for a break, yeah. too. Go, Christopher, go, Christopher, go. That was a different meaning. But the point is uh, that, especially in smaller churches, they probably don't have a sabbatical fund. I I'm grateful that our convention does provide help and assistance. Guidestone yes. also provides help and assistance That's awesome. for sabbatical. But man, I'm just more convinced than ever that it is necessary. A one week away from your church is not enough. You've yeah. got yeah. to get away and have enough space to decompress and come back. And uh, I, I just hope that... Uh, we can have more of that for the pastors that are out there. Yeah, we offered back in the summer, early mid June, what we called sabbatical grants. Yeah. And we had a generous gift that came in, and we said, let's use that to help pastors who wouldn't normally have the chance for a sabbatical to take two to four weeks away. So we just kind of put that call out there, and those, those were snapped up so quick, some by pastors you wouldn't have expected. So, but, yeah. so they, we kept a couple just, you know, in case in an emergency in the fall or winter, somebody, something comes along and the pastor really needs a break. So we yeah. still have a little that we can help with. So if that's you out there, give us a call. We might be able to. Yeah. Uh, but that's those true. went quick. Yeah. Well, thank you for <laughs> seeing the need and being proactive as the leader yeah. to yeah. make that happen and be available. I'm glad to do it. What are some of the things that you see out there coming up that you hope that your successor would continue to press on? What are just some of the things going on in the state, denominationally, convention-wise? I'll give the big picture. I think Texas Baptist, and I think this is where I think we are, and I think where we ought to try to stay in the in the midst of the all the denominational, the, the big spectrum. Yeah. You know, try to try to hit it right down the middle of the fairway. Try to stay in the middle, yeah. keep a balanced approach to everything. And I think that's, matter of fact, I think it's biblical. Now, not everybody's going to agree with that, but how many times in the Old Testament does it say, and it's more than 20, but does it say, do not turn to the right or to the left? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you think, well, what does that mean? Well, it probably doesn't mean exactly how I'm taking it, yeah. but I'm taking it to say, <laughs> there's got to be something in there about staying balanced. Yeah. You know, don't get off track. So, we try, I think it's going to be good for Texas Baptists to stay right in the center of try to find a healthy, balanced place on almost everything. Yeah. Well, I think that attitude has helped you be a, a bridge builder uh, with organizations and, and others in the state. You know, I mean, we, we have a topsy-turvy state, have gone through some stuff. Yeah. And just that attitude, yeah. I think, has helped people, help calm some nerves. Well, we tried to build bridges, yeah. tried to be peacemakers. Yeah. And now the sad part about it is not everybody wants that. Right. And I, I do think it's sad. I mean, I think that is sad. If you don't want to build a bridge and, yeah. and make some peace and get along and try to do some kingdom work together, then I think that's sad. Yeah. But that's what we've tried to do. And I think finding that place in the middle has, has helped us try yeah. to do that. I do I think it's, it's an interesting parallel to the politics of our nation. Right, that you have about 10% yeah. on one extreme, about 10% on another extreme. And then, I mean, we don't ever hear about it in the news, but I think the vast majority of Americans, and in this case, Baptists, are kind of middle of the road people. 
So I've described it like this. If Baptist are a 10-lane highway, Texas Baptist, we don't drive in lanes 9 and 10. And we don't drive in lanes one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a lot of room in lanes three through eight for a lot of people and a lot of mission and a lot of ministry. That's right. And that's where we try to stay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's yeah. good. Well, I can tell you for sure, David, we as a church are proud to be Texas Baptists. Well, yes. we're, we're glad you are, yes. and we, we thank much. you for it. Yeah. Amen. No doubt. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, as we come to the close of the podcast, is there anything that you're just dying to say to our global audience <laughs> as you're as you're fixing to leave global a domination. platform where you've had Office. such great influence? Well, I'm not Maybe sure we how many substitute. I'm not yeah. sure how many languages this is being translated into, but uh, Latin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, thanks for letting me be a part. Thanks, First Baptist, for being a part. But I would just say to pastors and churches out there, you know, stay the course. Let us help if you need us. We're not out there calling you to say, hey, looks like you need some help. But we answer the phone when you call and do not hesitate. All of us want to be helpful. Yeah. So please, pastors, do not allow yourself to remain in isolation. Amen to that. Ask for help. Start out small. Keep the circle small. But my word, if I didn't have, I'll, just, I'll say this. When I first came here, there was many, many times where I left the office and within five minutes, I got a call from somebody to encourage me to just make sure I was coming back, right? And, and I'm serious, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I still have but, his number. But that was that was instrumental to my staying and being a part and fighting through some difficult things. And so my heart really goes out to those pastors that don't have all these people around them, and they don't get that call, but it's possible to get it. If you will work on your network, if you'll get around others, people want to be an encouragement to, yeah, to you do. if you'll let yeah. them. Amen. Well, and we always say around here that the church is the hope of the world. It, it is. is Amen. the commission that God has given Keep us. Keep saying it. And the, and the focus of Texas Baptist is to help the local church. You're not putting programs and incentives out there saying, hey, you guys need to match this, which I really appreciate, David. I really do. Because <laughs> I've been around a while, too, and mm-hmm. where that has yeah. come out of different organizations, like, we need you to do this, this. and But you're like, what can we do for you? Yeah. And and I do pray that continues. Well, amen. I think it will. I think good days are ahead. We're never without our challenges. Right. But I think there are good days ahead. And I'm happy to turn that over to somebody else to take (laughs) take them down that way. Well, the things that Texas Baptists are pushing on, like revitalization and some other uh, projects, it is a normal part of our conversation between Ronnie and I. And how can we help those efforts in our local area and be a part to drive these things home. Because without local church being the hands and feet, it's not going to happen. And this is where ministry happens in the local church. Yes, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So get involved. Don't yeah. sit on the bench. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hang on. <laughs> All right. And get help. <laughs> get help. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. Thank you, David, so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, my privilege. Thank you. If you have found this content helpful, please leave a review on your listening platform and share the episode with a friend. If you have questions, comments, concerns, complaints, or criticisms, please email those to Christopher at crazypastors.org. Thank you to our producer, Michael Blinn, and our engineer, Drew Groyles, who make us sound better and smarter than we actually are. Peace out. Later, dude.